and opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, a new wrinkle in the story about this battle about immigration and messaging and everything else. The mayors of New York and of Washington, D.C. have complained that the governors of Texas and Arizona are sending people their way on buses. And one of the complaints is about the horrific treatment of these people by these governors, that they're being tricked onto these buses. And that isn't necessarily the case. So I want you to hear a Fox 29 uh, San Antonio, a report from there about this story. Just a very sh- a brief um, a synopsis. They do report more than 6,500 migrants have been bused to Washington, D.C. About 170 have reportedly arrived in New York City. So that's it. That's the number so far. Well, here's the update. Waivers. Waivers prove migrants are consenting to bus trips to New York and Washington, D.C. I have a copy of the waiver. It's an official consent to transport. I then, you know, blank, agree to be transported by the United States, by the state of Texas or its designated agency officials to locations outside of Texas, such as Washington, D.C. or New York City, New York. I agree to hold the state of Texas or its designated agency officials harmless of all liabilities arising out of it or in any way relating to any injuries or damages that may occur during the agreed transport to locations outside of Texas. They have to sign it. They have to date it, list the location of their departure, where they arrived, and their date of birth. So the available destinations are Washington, D.C. and New York City. So before any of these people are boarding the buses in Texas, they're signing a waiver saying they wanted to go. It further backs up what we talked about yesterday, which is the people getting off buses in New York City were approached by people from the Daily Caller News Foundation. And they were asked, are you being tricked? Was And they said, no, we they're giving us tickets. Many people come here and they have the money for a plane ticket when they get here. Some don't. This was free transportation and this is where we wanted to go now what that we're here we'll figure out where we're going to go next and i'm i'm paraphrasing what they said but that's what they were saying the reason why this is an important designation is because if you can't this is an old tactic and i think it's human nature i don't think it's something you learn you may get better at it as you do it more often if you can't attack the message you attack the messenger it is really hard for the mayor of new york It is really hard for the mayor of Washington, D.C. to, with a straight face, get mad at what Arizona and Texas are doing because they're not doing anything any different than the federal government is doing. Our federal government is doing the exact same thing. They are busing and flying people all over the country. And then for the mayor of New York to talk about inhumane treatment, that the buses don't make frequent stops and that it's inhumane is uh, laughable. I don't think even he believes it. But they can't go after the message, so they go after the messenger. This shows you this shows you who the governor of Texas is. Yes, yes it does. The governor of Texas and the governor of Arizona have been begging The federal government for years. It's not just this president. It's just the worst it's ever been under this president. That's the other deflection. Well, it's never been fixed. You're right. It's never been fixed. Reagan couldn't fix it. Clinton couldn't fix it. George H.W. Bush couldn't fix it. G.W. Bush couldn't fix it. Neither could Barack Obama. And Donald Trump didn't fix it either. 
But it went from being the best it had been in decades to the worst it's been in decades. And so what was, again, the narrative is, yes, we are keeping people out. It is a slower time for immigration, although people were still coming. It was at a slower pace. But the inhumane treatment of making them remain in Mexico. And there's nothing humane about what's happening right now. This is the frustrating part of this is I think most Americans agree with that statement. It is not humane. What's happening now is not humane. But the deflecting arguments about, well, we should do this, or what we should do is we should have both parties accountable. That both political parties should see this as so important that they get together and get something done. That the people that are the majority right now, which are the Democrats, should acquiesce to a lot of what the Republicans want so that they can get something done. If you believe that what's happening is inhumane and you think something needs to be done, you're going to have to acquiesce to some degree to get Republicans on board. That's the way our government is supposed to work. And the Republicans aren't going to get everything they want either. In the meantime, we're watching thousands of people die every year. People are dying in the desert in the heat. We know that women are being sexually assaulted in this. We know that uh, young people are being forced into the sex trades or into slavery in the drug trades. Millions of fentanyl pills are coming into this country and killing Americans. And we know that nothing is changing. That's the I, I would say even if I were if I were an adamant and an ardent supporter of this president. How can you look at the numbers at the southern border of the United States and know that it is under the full purview of the federal government to fix the border situation and not be upset that something different isn't being done? If you don't want to go back to the remain in Mexico thing from the from the Trump administration, if you want to scrap that completely, that's your prerogative. You're the president of the United States. But what are you doing to replace it? What are they doing to slow the tide of people coming here? The answer is they're not doing anything. The people that are coming are suffering. Our Border Patrol agents and ICE agents are suffering. The people that live in border communities initially are suffering, and then it's being spread across the United States. The only people that are benefiting right now are the cartels, period, end of story. And if, if you're a staunch supporter of this president, then he's going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to me, nor will they ever, nor should they. I'm on the other side of the political aisle. They're never going to get my vote. I'm never going to vote for Joe Biden, ever. So they don't care what I say. But they care what you say. They care that you say, I voted for you. And I'm disgusted that you haven't fixed or changed anything at the border. I'm disgusted that the vice president of the United States has made one trip and she went to El Paso and stood outside of a very secure port of entry, gave a speech, took some pictures and never went back. Disgusted that that hasn't happened. And I would even say if I were this is, you know, if I were you, if I were on the left side of the aisle, if I were a Democrat, I would say I'm disgusted that the Republicans are doing more than you are or want to do more than you want to do. But that's not what happens in this country. We dig in politically. We make excuses for bad behavior. And this is just the way it goes. So now we know. Now we know. At the southern border, these migrants aren't being tricked onto buses at all. They're being invited and they're happy to make the journey. What's going to be the next excuse of the mayor of New York? That's the question. 
Coming up next, an interesting story about a designation of of the job of a firefighter um, about carcinogens. It's a it's it's an insurance story, kind of, but it's also a public safety story. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I've talked about being an, an unwavering supporter of law enforcement, which is true. But I, I guess I maybe should clarify that about public safety, firefighters and the people that uh, respond to these accidents and crashes and, and uh, fires and, and physical uh, injuries that people have are also people that are put in harm's way many times. Um, and there's a story that's out about research confirms firefighting could cause cancer. That's a big deal for sick firefighters. So this talks about. Um, the carcinogens that firefighters face when um, a group met more than a decade ago, it determined firefighting was only possibly related to an increased rate of cancer. Now they are saying uh, this professor from the University of Arizona, um, they spoke to him in the conversation started by asking what the new designation means for firefighters. And so the, it is going to be about health insurance. It's going to be about things like that, but it's also going to be about long-term care uh, where we wouldn't send a police officer or we wouldn't expect as a society to send a police officer out to do his or her job without a bulletproof vest. That seems like standard gear for any time a, a police officer walks out onto the streets, walks out of a precinct into a patrol car or w- however they're on patrol, that they would have uh, – there are weapons to defend themselves, but they also would have things to protect themselves like a bulletproof vest. Uh, and that seems like just standard. And we know that firefighters have what they call turnout gear, that firefighters are dressed in turnout gear to protect them as much as possible from the fires and the things that they face. But as the years and the research has gone on about firefighting, they find out that a lot of this, the carcinogens, and I just had a conversation with somebody from Phoenix Fire yesterday, and it was off, it wasn't about this topic specifically, but then we started talking about response times, and we're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to have somebody from Phoenix Fire on the show to talk about how response times have have climbed because they are under you know they are understaffed like the Phoenix Police Department and how dangerous it's getting and the difference in response times and so if your response times let's say it's to a house fire if your response times every second counts the longer it takes for the fire department to get there the bigger that blaze becomes the more dangerous it becomes itself as a fire but now as things have changed as we have seen more synthetic materials in people's homes um, it becomes dang- house fires are not just wood and drywall anymore there are so many synthetic materials not natural fibers like cotton in houses so it makes those chemicals more dangerous in in the construction world and i think in the business world too, uh, there is something called MSDS, the Material Safety Data Sheets. And you have to have MS up-to-date MSDS sheets on a construction site in case there is a fire so that when the fire department arrives, they have a – they can see these are the – this is the flammable and carcinogenic material that's on these job sites. They have an idea of what and where the dangerous things are. We almost need MSDS sheets in our houses now because of the difference in how, um, you know, the chemicals that are in your homes, the, the synthetic material. 
I say that because one of the safety features that's happened um, over the last few – when I say few years, in recent years, is something called washdown kits. And they've found that if a firefighter at the scene of a fire washes down with this washdown kit – at the scene of the fire, as opposed to getting into the fire truck and carrying that with them into the firehouse where they then shower, that the time, if it's cleaned off at the scene of the fire, at least that, that you scrub down uh, superficially, that it is reducing the, the amount of carcinogenic, carcinogenic exposure. And I just found this story to be fascinating because we talk about the safety of police officers. And when you see a fire... And you see firefighters fighting a blaze. I think most of us see it and we think, okay, when the blaze is out, the danger is over. And for a lot of firefighters, for firefighters now in general, that is not the case, that the carcinogens around them. So there is going to be changes, I believe, in the way that they are insured for long-term care. Because what about a firefighter? If you develop cancer on the job and you have insurance on the job, that's one thing. But what about after retirement? If a firefighter leaves the agency and retires and then develops cancer, is it going to be considered a work-related injury? And in many cases now, they're saying in this report, yes. Which means, and it's a horrible thing to think of if you are, if that's the career you choose, that there's a ch- there's a better chance than before, or for people that don't fight fires, that you may get cancer. This gives some peace of mind in the sense that there are going to be changes made. I believe they will be if they haven't already, that firefighters know if it happens to them, it's not going to bankrupt their family trying to fight it. And I just thought the whole story to me was fascinating because I've had this conversation before. As a matter of fact, one of the conversations I've had uh, in the past about this and where I've learned a little bit about this was from the 100 Club here in Arizona. Um, the 100 Club was donating, was getting donations and donating to fire stations across Arizona these washdown kits so that they could be on the fire trucks so that after a firefighter faces a blaze, they can wash down on a scene and not carry those carcinogens into the fire truck. And so the more we learn about science, the more we learn about people and medical conditions, the better we're tr- we are able to treat them or prevent medical, you know, uh, medical disasters from happening like cancer. And uh, I just wanted to share a little bit of it with you because I've been talking with uh, some members of the fire department recently about getting them on to talk about their staffing issues. When you see response times for going to a fire, the difference between a five minute response time in a nine or a 10 minute response time for a firefighter and what that means to your home if your home's on fire. The, imagine watching an extra four or five minutes for someone to show up. The difference in how big that blaze can get. How dangerous it is for the firefighters themselves, but how devastating it is for the person that has a fire going on in their building, whether it's a home or a business. So I, it was just an interesting topic to me. I hope it was interesting to you and informative. And if uh, you know you've got some firefighters in your family, direct them that maybe they don't know about this yet. I would imagine it's 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 spread pretty quickly throughout the firefighter community. But hopefully, it's something that will do some good. In a moment, I want to talk about uh, the the lawsuit that uh, there has been filed by Kerry uh, Lake and Mark Fincham. Is this a politically motivated action? And asking a judge to um, to uh, force them to pay for the lawsuit and the defense of it by the county. And we're also going to talk about our friends at the Cyber Ninjas who did the audit. There is an update about uh, about the the head of that organization. All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, the election audit in Arizona, election integrity, has been a big topic for me. It's been a big topic for everyone. I try to be fair. I've got my own listen. You listen to the show. I'm very opinionated. And so I've got very strong opinions on things. But I also, one of the reasons why I believe I'm getting better at defending my opinions is because I really do want to understand the other side of the conversation, meaning I'm not necessarily going to agree with you, but I want to understand where you're coming from. And selfishly, many times, it's so I can defeat your argument. Um, And that's the way all of us should be. It's called apologetics. The better we get at it, the better we are at defending our position on everything. Um, So I was someone that was in favor of an audit of the Arizona elections, of the Maricopa County elections, not because I thought that uh, Stephen Richard did anything wrong or anything else, but because go back to 2016, Hillary Clinton wrote a book. This is where the people that are calling election deniers crazy, tinfoil hat wearers. Hang on a minute. In 2016, Hillary Clinton wrote a book that the Russians influenced the election to the point that it was stolen by Donald Trump. Now, she didn't do what the other people have done, but she still says it was stolen. She recently made a statement that said, we may never know the truth about 2016. And in fairness, she was investigated about uh, classified emails. She scrubbed a server. Now, can you imagine this whole Trump investigation that just happened the other day? If Donald Trump, if what they were looking for at Trump's house was a computer server that had been erased, what the what the public sentiment would be about Donald Trump? So there are two sides. Again, it's a very thin slice of ham that doesn't have two sides. So after 2016 and the Democrats believing that there was something fishy going on and then 2017 through 2020 and all into 2021 – When Joe Biden became the president, there were ongoing investigations on Russian collusion, the Mueller report and the dossier, investigation after investigation after investigation. So to spend the tax dollars to do that, to come up with absolutely nothing and then complain that they did it in Arizona is hypocritical. That being said, I have been very vocal from the minute they hired the cyber ninjas. From the minute they hired this guy, this Doug Logan, they hired the wrong people. They hired somebody with a bias. The appearance of this, that it's going to be one-sided, even if they come up with evidence, people aren't going to believe it because he walked into this saying he knew the election was stolen. I just want to give you an update on Doug Logan. Within days of being tapped by the Arizona Senate to lead its partisan election review, this is how it's written, uh, Doug Logan, who was uh, was holed up in a Detroit area hotel room, illegally taking part, taking apart voting machines, according to Michigan authorities. So he hasn't been convicted of anything, but he is being criminally investigated for this voting machine plot. In the petition to appoint a special prosecutor, Michigan's attorney general's office said the additional charges could include using a computer system to commit a crime, willfully damaging a voting machine, malicious destruction of property, fraudulent access to a computer, and uh, and false pretenses. So when you when you see this, when you hear these things, this is the part of the election integrity uh, conversation that gets me angry because I've had I have very close friends that still believe that the 2020 election was stolen. And I've said to them, you should be angrier than I am 
about the hiring of the cyber ninjas because now nobody will ever be able to hear anything from your side because of what this guy has done. So that leads me to this. Um, Maricopa County is seeking sanctions against Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham, um, saying that their lawsuit was frivolous. The challenge as, asks the judge to order counties to require paper ballots, already the practice of Arizona for years, except for visually impaired voters who can use an electronic machine, as well as a hand count of all cast ballots. Now, I have no idea really other than it would be a huge undertaking to count every single ballot by hand, and especially if the if it's, if it's the uh, charge is that it has to be done in 24 hours. I don't know how many vote, you know, how many people you would have to have as volunteers to make that happen. Um, Mark Fincham tweeted Wednesday that the threat act, threatened action by supervisors is nothing more than an attempted weaponization of the judicial process against the, poli- the political process. If they can't stand up for, to scrutiny for elections, that's their problem, not our problem, he wrote. So what I'm going to give the basics of this, of what the position is. Maricopa County's position is this, that this lawsuit is frivolous on its ba- on its face that it has absolutely no merit and that they had to spend time and money of taxpayer dollars to defend it and the taxpayers of Maricopa County should not have to foot the bill for a frivolous lawsuit that is nothing more than a campaign uh, ploy to raise their status in a campaign. Now, I don't know any of that to be true, but they're not only asking this judge to dismiss this lawsuit, they are asking that the Kerry Lake and Mark Fitcham campaigns be forced to pay for this. This is where, politically speaking, it gets ugly in Arizona. And the reason why it gets ugly in Arizona is because now here we are, once again, arguing about 2020. Carrie Lake won the primary. It was contentious. She she led that wire to wire. But the gap narrowed. There was a lot of money spent against her, and she won the primary. Mark Fincham, there were a lot of really qualified people in the Republican primary. He won by a significant margin. So voters have spoken on the Republican side of the aisle about the candidates that they want for these offices. But the fight now is for independent voters. For voters who genuinely don't care about the political maneuverings of either party anymore. They just want someone that is best suited. So now you've got to fight for independent voters while this is a big headline in a news story. Where we should be moving forward with some other things, we're being dragged back into others. So there are people out there that are upset that the the county is doing this and the timing of it is is um, disastrous in a way, forcing them to take time off from their camp or away from their campaign or distract a little bit from their campaign to defend this. Well, again, I don't know what the answer is. All I know is the battle between the county board of supervisors who I will I have stood by them and said, I don't agree with everything they say or do. They certainly don't agree with everything that I say or do, but they're good people. 
you know, I, I will I will defend the character of Clint Hickman and Bill Gates and the others down there. I will defend their character because I know they're good people. The Hickman family, and I've met a couple of members of the family and that family-owned business that goes back generations here in Arizona. They have been so good for and to the state of Arizona, not just by employing people, but they're benevolent and they are such givers in the community and they always have been. So I understand the disagreement in a practice. I never understood the disagreement in, in questioning someone's character. That's what I defended. And if you notice, when my disagreement against the audit, I never went after the character of the people that wanted it either. Never went after Karen Fan. Never went after any of those people. And when you you can attack someone's what they're doing, you can say, well, I don't agree with what you're doing without attacking their character. When this became a character assassination, it became personal. And now we're going to see how this plays out because we're not going to stop talking about 2020. This is going to continue. In a moment, we shift back to Mar-a-Lago. But what we have to talk about is the attack in Cincinnati, Ohio, now that we know more about the gunman. All that's coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, please do it. It's very simple to do. We listen at convenient times for you, and it never miss a minute of the show again. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by my good friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com. The gunman. That in Cincinnati, Ohio, was killed after he tried to get into an FBI field office. Uh, according to social media reports from this boy, Rick, Ricky Schiffer is his name, according to the reports. Um, other law enforcement officials familiar with the investigation, the agents are investigating him for possible ties to groups like the Proud Boys um, and uh, launching, and that he was in D.C. on January 6th. Yesterday, we didn't know the reasons why, but it was the timing was very, very confusing. This is where we all have to take. Take a deep breath because I don't obviously what this guy did does not further the cause of people that believe the raid at the president's home was done in a horrible way. Um, it doesn't help your cause when somebody else, whether it's in your name or not, when you're in a group of people and I've used this example before, um, only because of the way it's run when you're in downtown Phoenix and there's events that are going in. Uh, in the footprint center where the Suns play, um, if there's a Suns game going on, there is always a Phoenix police officer directing traffic right there because there is obviously the mix of cars on Jefferson along with people trying to cross to get into the game. So to keep people safe, the police direct traffic and allow people to move across the street. If we were all in a group, whether we were together or we all just were waiting for our turn to cross and somebody in the group threw a water bottle. At the police officer in the middle of the street. We're all Suns fans, right? We may not all know each other, but we're all there for the same reason because we're Suns fans. If somebody threw a bottle, Suns fan or opposing teams fan, threw a water bottle at a police officer, what would you do? I can tell you I would do either one of two things or I do them both. One would be I would point at the person and say, that's the guy that just threw this at you. Or... I would get the heck away from that person because I would want I would want absolutely no connection to that person whatsoever. 
if, if it happens inside the stadium, if you're inside the arena, when someone is behaving badly, you don't cover for them because they're wearing the jersey of the team you're cheering for. What you do is you call security and you say, this guy is a drunken fool. Get him out of here. He's starting fights. And if we don't start doing this, both sides, both sides, if we keep making excuses, and I'm not saying there are a lot of people making excuses, and, and the, uh, there's another side to this as well. If we keep making excuses, we allow these people to control the narrative, and they shouldn't. The other side of that is when you see a story, and I've already seen it on social media, that when you see this guy was – the reports that this guy was at uh, the January 6th rally and didn't go in the Capitol, but he was a part of the rally, that, that that typifies. That's just an example of the people that were there. Shows you who those people are. You're going to take that entire crowd of people and point to this guy and say that's what they're all like. That's the other dangerous side of things, because when it happens, when bad things happen on the other side, the Black Lives Matter rallies, how do you think people feel Black Lives Matter rallies? How do you think they feel when somebody does something violent, when they you know flip a car over, bust windows, loot a building, that now the entire message of the people that were marching in those streets are lumped together with the people committing acts of violence? That's not right either. But you can't use that. If that's the view you have, if the view you have of people you disagree with is that these are just kind of foaming at the mouth, crazed people that have no common sense, you have the wrong view of most people. And when you get politically motivated, there is always that element of people that are so passionate about it, they misbehave. To say that every Cardinal fan is violent, or let's go back, let's say the Dodgers, because the Dodgers had a reputation for violence in their stadium for a while. And um, I'm not a Dodgers fan by any stretch of the imagination, but do I think that the majority of fans in in the Dodgers stadium are looking to punch somebody out from the other team? No, but that that doesn't mean that there aren't people there doing it. And the real Dodger fans are the ones that have to help get rid of it. They got to point it out to security. They got to tell them it's not acceptable behavior. And they got to make sure that they are not the representation of who you are. And unless we focus on this, we are going to continue to see the political debate be about the fringe and how badly they behave and whether or not they represent the attitude of the majority of the people on that side of the argument. And I think that's the most dangerous part of all of this. We're going to shift to the economy. As I said earlier, um, the uh, Metro Phoenix area, the evictions in Maricopa County have climbed to almost a record number. It hasn't been this bad since 2008. What does that mean for the economy, food prices, and where is the average Arizonan at financially? It's a great conversation. We're also going to talk about gas prices going down. It's all coming up in a few moments.